Over 30 years of advice for your house, home, castle, or cabin. Y'all have things you want to get done. It's Rosie on the House. Yes, it is. Welcome back to Rosie on the House. Thanks for joining us for the 10 o'clock hour. Jennifer has been doing a, sweet Jennifer has been doing a segment in the show, embedded in the show, that's gaining more and more traction and more and more fan base. And it's a segment we call Worth Life, uh, Life Worth Living. And it has to do with a lot of what Jennifer and I are going through in the last five to ten years um, in just helping our parents go through this phase of their life. And uh, we got to talking about uh, how can we share the pertinent information with our listeners that things they ought to think through. Can so, I just say you've titled this the Life Worth Living in Place segment, but this segment really is for everyone. So I hope that no one has just turned off their listening skills because this can affect anybody at any time. And what we're going to talk about today is the different documents that you would need in place should something change uh, in your life. And that could be something uh, traumatic like an accident or even death. So there's two ways to enter that kind of a situation and one is prepared and the other one is unprepared and when we were young Rosie uh, was encouraged to seek <laughs> life insurance from the beginning from my dad and is the only way he'd let me marry <laughs> flipped up yeah. pages in the yellow pages and found Will you let uh, me marry Clay your Jansen Jennifer yeah go get a life insurance policy so from the very beginning Clay Jansen <laughs> coached that was us Rick. Through, oh I'm sorry Rick dad. I'm sorry Rick uh, coached us through that and of course Clay eventually took it over and has grown it into an amazing uh, focused financial uh, companies but all that being said because he had educated us all along the way uh, we were prepared for the accident that Rosie experienced uh, four years ago in October and um, you know I really hadn't paid a lot of attention uh, you had been very diligent about getting things done in all areas to prepare us for whatever, and you were always very good about sharing that information with me. And as a matter of fact, uh, the accident happened in October. We were coming home from Louisiana in the car in September, and you kept telling me where everything was, and I was like, Just Nick, we were, we were driving <laughs> from Houston to El Paso, and that's 900 miles. That's a drive. And like half the drive, I'm saying, now, Jennifer, you know the estate planner, and you know the attorney, and you know the accountant, and you know, and talking to them. We get to about Fort Stockton, and she says, you've got to change the subject. I said, you are rigging me out. What is this about? So and two weeks later, yeah, I was in a coma. Yeah, so, and that was for three months' worth. But I, I never had to wait to move forward to do the things that needed to be done either in the medical field with the doctors, uh, just personal finance stuff, or even our business. So we're going to kind of walk through all those things that are worth thinking about. And I don't want it to be like a real heavy subject for you if the thought of an accident or a passing is really traumatic for you. Just think about this is a way that I can show my family that I love them, thought about them, and prepare and wanted things Absolutely. to be uh, as easy as they could at, at those events so that, um, you know, that they're not, they can do what they need to do as far as grieving and moving on without being sta held back by uh, probate or something. We had, we had the updated trust, and, the, and we'll go through all the documents. We had everything just stacked right on my – and it got delivered like two days before we left. The doctors kept asking Jennifer, we need Rosie's refusal to resuscitate. 
We need Rosie's refusal to resuscitate document. She kept saying, I can't find it. <laughs> Introduce your guest. <laughs> yes, so we have with us Mr. Mick McGurr of Focus Law and Sam Richard Richardson, also of Focus Law, and he's the head of estate planning. So welcome, guys. Thank you. Thanks Thank you for, for having us. Thank you. I, I started putting this article together, and I thought, you know, for one thing, a little disclaimer, this is not legal <laughs> advice we're giving. Um, my part specifically, I wrote an article that's on the website if you just look up documents, you'll find this uh, titled Life-Changing Docs and Why You Should Never Be Without Them. But I, I wanted to be able to explain it in a way that was true and correct and right and helpful. So um, we spent some time on a, on a meeting, and we came up with the idea of dividing it into two parts. So we're going to talk about documents that come, you would need uh, between, uh, we just said, between your creation and your uh, passing and then things that you would need afterwards. So let's start with the obvious. Let's start with the four that we should all have in place uh, for the living. Yeah, so the documents that you that are, will help you while you're still living are your durable or financial power of attorney, your healthcare power of attorney, a HIPAA release, and a living will. And what these documents do is allow people to act on your behalf while you're still alive, but perhaps are not able to make decisions or you're not present to make decisions. Um, th times when these things come in handy are, are like the ones that you, the example you gave earlier when Rosie was in a coma and he wasn't able to make decisions financially or, or for healthcare reasons on his own. But, oh, I was making a lot of financial decisions. <laughs> <laughs> but they can also come into play if you're just out of town. Yeah. You know, some maybe you're on a trip backpacking across Europe and you forgot to pay the rent or you forgot to pay the utility bill and you need to make sure that you have a place to live when you get done backpacking. Well, your power of attorney can send that check to your landlord and make sure that you are taken care of. Um so they're, they're really handy documents anytime you need somebody to do something on your behalf. Uh, the financial power of attorney allows your agent, an agent is someone who acts on behalf of somebody else, which we call a principal, uh, they allow that person, that agent, to, to do anything on your behalf that you uh, provide for them in this document. And, and a lot of times the documents that we prepare are very full. So usually the, your agent ends up being your spouse or somebody who's closely related to you. And you give them full authority to make these financial uh, decisions in the event that something happens, that you're not able to make that decision. I want to uh, back up from that one just a minute for the medical power of attorney. Um, we did have all that in place, and I was so very thankful. And, but, you know, there is a statute in Arizona, the surrogate decision-maker statute of Arizona, and it goes, so if you don't have someone appointed, there's an order that it goes through that they'll first they'll check with the spouse and then the child, parent, domestic partner, sibling, and lastly, a close friend. So if you don't have that named, they're going to go down that list and find somebody for you. But if you have a preference of who's making those kind of decisions for you, you have to have this in place. Yeah, and that, so that that particular statute applies to the healthcare power of attorney, which is the next document that we're we're talking about. Which that only applies in situations where you are unable to make medical care decisions for yourself, and so that generally only happens in periods of incapacity. That's different from a financial power of attorney because that could be used, you know, like I said, when you're just out of town. Um, with a, with a healthcare power of attorney, you're looking at somebody who is unable to speak 
or or communicate through blinking or whatever. And and so you, somebody needs to make a decision on their behalf. And those are often very challenging times. And so you need to find somebody that you can depend on to make a, a, a decision when when your life is on the line, essentially. Um, but that's the healthcare power of attorney. So let's talk some more about the financial one. Yeah, okay. So, let's go back. Yeah. Sorry, I jumped ahead of you. <laughs> I had scrolled down there. I was, oh, sorry. <laughs> so let's do talk about the financial one. So um, I can think about... Uh, Maybe you know we want one certainly between your spouse and maybe your older parent that you're caring for. Um, what other kind of situations would you want to have that? Would you be able to use that? I guess is more the question. Yeah. So my wife, for example, she's she's got her uh, her parents are now living in our home and um, she needs to be a signer on their bank account. Um, but in the event that they become incapacitated, she's going to be able to use that power of attorney to take. Uh, you know, financial decisions on their behalf that need to be made. Um, but you can use a, a power of attorney in the, the person who is signing it has to have capacity to, to assign that agency relationship to somebody. So if you have somebody who's uh, got capacity to sign that, um, then, then you can have a power of attorney. Uh, and that's a good, that's a good place to start. You can use it in periods of incapacity, like I said, and, just periods of, of uh, you need a, a decision made or, or, or some asset uh, uh, situated. Uh, for example, um, recently we had somebody who was in a nursing home, and because of COVID, they couldn't leave the nursing home to, to sign papers with a notary. Wow. So, so they had to use a power of attorney to have somebody else sign a deed in the presence of a notary in order to convey property from from a trust to themselves. So, uh, th- yeah, there's lots of little situations where somebody just needs something done, but they can't do it themselves. And so they assign that power of attorney to somebody. It gives them the ability to handle that financial situation for them. I think one of the keys to that, too, is that so many of those situations are so very unexpected. Yeah. I mean, who could have anticipated COVID and being locked in a room, <laughs> right. not, not being able to sign even with a notary. Right. So. Well, I, I have to give credit to my dad uh, because it was my dad uh, that I was able to experience what preparation looked like. Mm. Um, when we lost dad, Halloween day, 2005, no one in the family had to do one thing, everything. We didn't even have a document to sign. He had taken care of every single thing so that we, as a family, could uh, spend time supporting each other and not have to worry about meeting with Sam and getting some documents signed. We've also had family members pass away where you spend months discovering accounts in other states, banks. They didn't even know. No one even know they were existing. You know, so the time to do it is uh, when you're healthy and clear thinking. And it's a great opportunity to have the conversation, but I've got a burning question because since I survived my experience, I've been asked to give several presentations about, Rosie, what's the one thing you learned that you'd want to share? One thing I learned is uh, men, as leaders of your household, uh, get together with your spouse and get this thing pinned down and settled. Because I know Jennifer was under a lot of stress. 
but I know she would have been under a lot more stress had all this not been in place. So husbands, wives, do this for the benefit of your family. When we get back, I'd like to talk a little bit about what do you do with the reluctant couple or the reluctant participant that just doesn't want to talk about this. Take it on. Oh, yeah. You're tuned in to Rosie on the House, where we answer your questions about home improvement, home remodeling, and generally how to improve your quality of life as an Arizona homeowner. It's our goal and our objective to be every Arizona homeowner's best friend. So in this segment, we're diverting just a little bit from home improvement, and we're talking about things you can do to significantly drive up the quality of your life. Sweet Jennifer, you've brought in some special guests. Yes, we have Mick McGurr and Sam Richardson of Focus Law to help us uh, work our way through this topic. You know, it there is this was probably the hardest article I've ever written because it's you have to be so precise and there's a lot to it. So if you need to, if you want to um, track this with us, you can look up the article on the website. But we're talking first about the important docs you need while you're alive, and that would be the. Uh, durable power of attorney for financial affairs, the health care power of attorney for health care, the HIPAA release, and living will also pretty much for health care. So those are all things that you want to have signed and in place in the event of illness where you couldn't, or like you said, Sam, you don't have to go that dark. It could just be absence, you know. So um, now I want to just go ahead and spend some a little bit of time talking about um, after death and what you need to have prepared. And that Let's would call be it graduation. Graduation. Yeah. Susan graduation. said she liked my word graduation, yeah, graduation. too. So um, We're all going to graduate. Yeah. You know, it's going to happen. You get your upgraded your angel wings. Yeah, there you go. I like that one, too. So let's talk about last will and testament and trust. So a last will and testament is a document that most people are probably familiar with. It just allows you to control where your assets are going to go after you die. Um, it does have to go through this legal proceeding known as probate. And so a lot of times people are really concerned about probate. Um it is this legal process. It, it can be cumbersome and e- exhausting and expensive. Um, generally speaking, in the state of Arizona, if if you have a will and testament, you're going to go through probate. Um, we ha- there is an alternative document that allows you to avoid that probate process called a trust. Um, and a trust has a lot of the same benefits of a will, which is that it allows you to control where your assets are going to go and, and who they're going to go to. But it has additional control allowed to it because it can extend for a long, long time. Um, And it also has the primary benefit of avoiding probate altogether, which is, you know, it's a, it's a a long process. I've got, I've got friends that have lived through the experience of both their parents graduating and some have had to experience probate and some haven't. And from my observation, probate is 100% miserable. And the irony is that it's 100% avoidable. That's right. And if you if you take the time and uh, do what you need to do to to take care of those assets during your lifetime, your loved ones, your family members do not have to go through that probate process at all. Uh, and a big piece of that puzzle is the trust. Um, and so, what does a trust do? Well, it's a contract between you and yourself. And perhaps your spouse and her and his or herself, and it allows you to make an agreement about how your assets are going to be distributed upon your death. 
um, or, or even in periods of incapacity. Uh, it's, it's a document. So, so unlike the, the power of attorney that only lasts until you graduate or the will that only takes effect after you graduate, a trust actually bridges that gap. It has effect during your lifetime and after your lifetime. And that's why you don't have to go through probate because there's nothing to prove. It's already written down. It's been signed and it works very well. Um, and so, so the, the, the process that you need for a trust is you sit down with an attorney, you tell them what you, what you have and where you want it to go and how you want it distributed. And the attorney puts that all in, in writing. You sit down, you execute it, and it's good to go. And then you just go through the process of make, making sure your assets are in the trust uh, during your lifetime. And then you don't have to worry about it. You, you, you basically leave a trail of breadcrumbs. For your, like you said, Rosie, earlier that uh, they may not know where your assets are. And so like Hansel and Gretel, you're leaving those breadcrumbs in the trust to let people know where those assets are so that they can be moved to their descendants or, or their, their heirs or beneficiaries by the time they die. And so if those things aren't determined ahead of time, probate could drag out. It can be expensive. But if you have your ducks in a row, um, and it does cost to put a trust together. That's but right. But there's expense either way, but there's also expense in kind of trauma or expense in like that preparedness. Yeah. So so the way that you look at it is you either incur a medium-sized expense now or a large expense in time and money and grief. And grief and frustration, yeah. And and the last thing you want is to have your loved ones dealing with financial matters during uh, a period of grief and frustration. And so uh, make sure that you get those things taken care of during your lifetime so you, so you don't have that big, big hurdle to climb and probate uh, at the end. If I can just jump in and put a yeah. ribbon around all this real quick. Please. There are two reasons. I'll, I'll break it into the two simplest reasons why you want, if you're hesitant to if your spouse or you're hesitant to go through this process, one is the selfish reason. You, the selfish reason is you want to get to choose who is going to make decisions for you. You want to get to choose where your assets are going to go. You want to get to make those decisions for yourself because you've worked your whole life to bring these, these together. The second reason is the generous reason. The generous reason is you want to help your family avoid the pain of having to litigate and go through court after your passing. And if you that wanted to get nitpicky on awesome. terms, you might want to pick a different one than execution for carrying out the act. <laughs> <laughs> Focus Companies, you can find them at rosieonthehouse.com. And we've been joined by the law team. They've got a law team. They've got a financial team. They've got an insurance team. I know uh, 23 years now. <laughs> yes, sir. Upbeat music to bring us back to Rosie on the House. 1-888-767-4348. If you'd like to talk about anything having to do with your house, home, castle, or cabin. In the last half hour, we pivoted slightly off topic, but it still revolves around getting you all to have the best quality of life possible. So if you've been wanting to ask a home improvement question, now would be the time to get online in the last half hour of the program. one 767 4348 And I'm going to address a couple questions that have come in uh, as we get rolling here. And Anne wants to know, Rosie, do you recommend 
that screens be added to your roof pipes or vents on the roof? And why don't builders install them on new bills as just a matter of practice? Well, I've seen screens do a great job in keeping critters out. But I've also seen in winter, those vent pipes are actually venting fairly warm air. So they tend to attract uh, critters as well. And say they attract a spider that is kind of comfortable in that warm draft coming up from the sewer vent pipe. Um, and he doesn't mind the odor. And so he starts his little web right there. And it isn't but about two or three months later, he's got the thing so congested that it quits venting. So I've seen homes, quote unquote, made scorpion proof and bug proof, quote unquote, okay, by the person that was doing them. And they all included building what's called builder's hardware cloth, which is metal woven material that gets bent over the pipe and then an aircraft clamp, an adjustable screw type clamp goes on and you anchor that to the pipe. No doubt, it, no question, it could, it could eliminate, if you go to the eighth inch mesh, builder's hardware cloth, uh, eliminate a lot of things getting down in the pipes. But if you're going to do that, put a regular maintenance program of having someone on the roof checking those about once a year and make sure they're not being plugged or clogged. Uh, the little hardware cloth has a tendency of collecting stuff as opposed to letting it just free flow through. So, Miss Ann, I hope that gives you an indication. Yes, you can certainly do it, but just make note of being ready to get them maintained and keep them clean. Very good. Well, we've got a special guest on the line as well. Callers uh, absolutely blew up the phones as Rosie gave out the call-in number. So as we get those screened, we will be looking forward to talking to you, the Arizona homeowner, one 767 4348 That's one for you. But uh, been a very interesting couple of years, and we've got a special guest on the line, Ryan Jacobus, because uh, you've heard about pricing uh, of material. You've heard about delay and supply chain, but yet there's still projects to be done, renovations to happen, oh, man. families to accommodate, growing let me, families. Let me tell you, there are. Woo. And for once, it seems like the financial lending system has kept up with pace with consumer demands. Usually it's like years down the road before they make an adjustment, but they've got renovation loans now. If you're considering doing a project during this time, what you can, what some of the options that are available to you. Ryan, good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you guys? Very good. Tell us about this new renovation loan structure. Yeah, so, you know, the renovation loans have, have been around for a while, um, but nobody has really heard about them. And, uh, you know, my wife and I, we work together, uh, Team Tri at Fairway Mortgage. She's here as well. She's just kind of listening in the background. Good morning. <laughs> And uh, for us, we thought this was such a cool product that we decided to specialize in it. And we have a whole team dedicated towards this loan. And the cool thing about it is 
you're basically taking your mortgage and wrapping the cost of renovations into it over the life of the loan. So you're able to add the renovations and not have to pay out of pocket up front, which is pretty cool. And as opposed to a, a previous loan, how, you know, how would that have, how does that change? So it, if somebody is already in the home and they're looking to do renovations to it as to purchasing a home, it, it's just like a, a refinance. It's a renovation refinance. So we're still going to go through the refinance process, but we're going to take the cost of renovations. We're going to look at the after improved value of the home. And that's actually what we're going to lend off of as opposed to a cash out refi or HELOC is going to look at the home is what it's worth now renovation loans, you might have access to more money because we're going to look at what it's going to be worth after you do the, the renovations to the home. And where we've seen that a lot of people kind of get uh, surprised is they'll get the estimate, and this is just a recent problem, from the contractor, go pull out a home equity line of credit or you know refinance the home, get the money, then they come back to the contractor, you know, that process takes a couple weeks, and you know, the, the material's gone up another 10%, and now they're looking at trying to start a budget that has, has, has outpassed, outpaced the money that they have The budget's busted before we get the permit pulled. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. So, so the, again, the, the nice thing about with the, with the renovation loans is we have things built in place to kind of help with that. You know, we're working directly with the contractor, so the money's not going directly to uh, the borrower, the consumer. We're actually taking a bid with the contractor, working directly with them, figuring out what the cost might be. So, you know, right now contractors are kind of, you know, hopefully overestimating what the cost will be. But that way when we have a bid, it's kind of worst case scenario. Things do change. So we have, uh, you know, things put in place just in case, uh, like contingency reserves and stuff like that, so that if things do go up, there's still access to some money. And, you know, we work from start to finish, unlike going and getting like a HELOC or cash out. We're with you from the time that you get a bid and work with a contractor all the way until the job is finished. So we're not like, here's your money, see you later. You know, we're, we're trying to help solve the problem all the way until the end, which is nice. Tell, tell the story about how you got into this with your own personal experience. Yeah. So, you know, my wife's been a lender for eight years and she kind of uh, had been working with the programs for a little bit. She got me to join her when I met with the VP because we looked to buy a house, you know, back 10 years ago where it was still, you know, competitive out there and, you know, first time newly married looking to purchase a home. And every time that we tried to purchase a house, like somebody would get in there and, and overbid for it. So we found a house that had been sitting for 20 days. So we were like, oh my goodness, why? Perfect location, had a nice backyard, but when you went in the inside, it was a rental. Like the tile was horrible, the stairs, uh, the carpeting, like everything about it was bad. And I was like, oh, you know, I could do it myself. <laughs> and, but I asked at the time, is there a program where we could finance in the cost to fix this place up? And everybody said no. And come to find out that there was just nobody ever wanted to do them. Um, so, you know, fast forward, we kind of 
start doing projects on our own here or there. And we finally didn't get the house done uh, by myself until we were ready to sell it. So we didn't even get to live in the perfect home until we were ready to sell it. And, you know, for us, it's, it's now that we know that this program's here, I was totally on board. I was like, yeah, I'm going to join you. Uh, you know, let's really specialize in this product. We've been the go-to in Arizona for our company for a while now for renovations. We just have a passion for it because so many people don't know about it. It can solve a lot of problems for people, whether they're purchasing a home that needs to be fixed up or they're in it and they want to, you know, uh, fix it up. Or maybe there's emergency stuff like roofing, HVAC systems, like all of that you can you can work with with a renovation loan. Very good. Rain Jacobus with the, an independent fairway lending broker. Him and his wife, Team Try. You can find him. Uh, great introduction. Uh, one of our newest partners to Rosie on the house has been going through the application process since about last September. Uh, and we're happy to have them on board if you're looking to do a renovation and you're looking to use some of the equity in your home. Uh, this is a great way to partner that with the rising cost of construction and the forecasted value that it brings into your home. Uh, just one of the, the tools that are out there. We don't cover uh, financials a lot. There's a lot of other places and resources that do that, but we do have great partners and financing is part of every home uh, ownership. So we, you know, to, to not ever cover it, we're not being every Arizona homeowner's best friend. So we appreciate you joining us and spending a few minutes of your Saturday morning with us. Absolutely. We appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. We were getting other questions while we were visiting with Ryan, and we got a question from a listener and says, look, is wants to know about carbon monoxide in their home. And they're saying, is carbon monoxide poisoning in the home uh, only possible with a gas furnace? Well, no, no. You need to know if you have gas or propane to your home, any place there's a flame, kitchen appliances, water heater, dryer, gas logs, gas fireplaces, and of course, yes, the heater. Any of those appliances or devices that are combusting and burning have the potential of generating carbon monoxide. And uh, you need a carbon monoxide detector in your home. Uh, and now, even more critical than ever, it actually came up in our family uh, where our daughter, Carol Grace, had kind of has some lingering effects of COVID where she has no ability to smell. And she went into her apartment and started unpacking groceries. And her husband followed her about 15 minutes later and says, honey, get out of here. Something's wrong. And so Jordan grabs Carol, gets out of the house. They call the fire department. And sure enough, there's, a, there's a, a pipe that's come loose and the house is full of natural gas. And she wasn't able to smell it. Now, you need detectors to be able to give you a heads up on those things. And that was actually a natural gas, pure leak. Uh, carbon monoxide detector won't detect it. But carbon monoxide is odorless invisible so make sure your carbon monoxide testers in your home are good and current with lithium batteries and ready to go
You know, on the topic of uh, remodel financing your home, uh, they've done. They've given us an update every year. They come out with a report that's called the cost versus value report, and it takes fifteen or twenty different projects, and it compares them regionally by cost to complete. So we can see what a middle bathroom, mid-range bathroom should cost in Phoenix. And then we can also see what it should cost in Chicago, what it should cost in Pittsburgh, what it should cost in Miami, what it should cost in San Francisco. And the interesting thing about this year's study is they've now conducted a mid-year study. We usually get that right about the end of the calendar year. But they've done a mid-year study because the numbers they posted six months ago and 18 months ago have been obliterated. And what used to could be mm-hmm. done for eighteen or 20000 can't be touched for less than twenty-eight or 30000 That's probably the most drastic change the cost-value report has seen in the market since I've been reading it. Oh, if, if, you, take, if you take a four-year-old cost-versus-value report and take the same projects— as to what it was costing just four years ago and what it's costing today, it's, uh, it, it'll choke you. And so I'm asked all the time. I'm actually in, in conversations with several prospective clients right now. They're saying, well, Rosie, why don't I wait until prices come down? Well, let me just share with you all. I've been building in Arizona for 48 years. I've lived through the dot-com bust bubble. I've lived through the uh, Great Recession of 08, 09, 10, uh, and a couple others. And I can tell you that I see people slow down in work, and I see schedules becoming more imminently available. But I can't tell you the last time I saw cost from legitimate contractors come down. When we go into a recession, and I'm not saying we're getting ready to do this. I'm telling you historically, when we've gone into recession and superintendents sometimes will lose their jobs, their only option is start their own company. They'll start their own handyman service. They'll start their own carpentry service. And they may know the skill set to get the work done, but they may not know the entrepreneurial skill set of knowing all your costs. So they're charging a rate that uh, lets them survive but doesn't let them succeed. So I'm telling you my my position right now, as it has been forever, is you're not going to see costs come down. Even when the unemployment rate in the construction industry in the state of Arizona was approaching 30 and 40%, we didn't see costs come down. We have seen lumber stabilize from 1,700 a board foot. Now we're, it had started at about 400 with the 1,700. Now we're settling in at about 600, 700. Uh, but that isn't significant enough for you to postpone your project. Here's the bottom line, in my opinion. People are rushing to Arizona for a million great reasons. The economy, the geopolitical structure, the just the state itself and that influx isn't going to stop that's going to put an appreciation base on your property 
in a pretty safe investment level. So if you're looking to buy and or improve, they say the worst thing to have in real estate is a good memory because you can always remember why you're not going to buy this house for 350000 because you saw it for sale 18 months ago for 180000 Well, I'm not going to pay three fifty. Well, you okay, don't. Next year, you can pay five fifteen. So don't wait. Don't put your project off thinking costs are going to come down. In my personal experience in 48 years, I've never seen it. I just wanted to thank, there's been several people call in telling me that they were committing to getting all their documents in order for from our segment. Congratulations, and, yes, sweet Jennifer. Made, and um, just made my day. Bill especially. He said he's um, 71, never done it, and he was really convicted to do it. And he called for the information. I don't think we gave it out enough. Focus Companies, that's spelled P-H-O-C-U-S, Focus, 602-274-3405. Of course, you can always call us and um, and find any of our partners, but just... Thank you for taking that to heart. Just remember how important that is to get your documents in order. You can find that article under DIY, under documents, on our website. They have a website? Focus. On, Focus Companies, P-H-O-C-U-S. So. And, and that's why I want to point that out, because they're going to think it's F-O-C-U-S. Anyway, good deal. P-H-N. It's funny. I, I have to catch myself to spell it correctly now. If I'm trying to spell the word focus yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. for attention, because it's been that way for so long. P-H-O-C-U-S. All right. Here at Rosie on the House, we're wrapping up our program for today. Uh, and that kind of wraps up our week. But the Internet machine holds our website, rosieonthehouse.com, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And all of the information you hear us share with you about our wisdom and our experience and our tips on home ownership, home maintenance, home repair, home remodeling can be found right there at rosieonthehouse.com. I could tell you, you could follow us in Facebook. We have some fun things that we do there. You could also go to our website, rosieonthehouse.com, and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. It brings you weekly tips and advice you won't be able to get anywhere else. We are humbled but proud to say that we have been the number one homeowner resource for contractor services in the state of Arizona for 14 years. If you're looking for work to get done, go to rosieallnows.com and find one of our certified partners to get the job done. We're trying hard to be every Arizona homeowner's best friend. Give us a shot. Tell your new coming incoming neighbor about us and y'all have a great week. <laughs>